Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today's episode is brought to you by NetHealth. So when it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and get those five-star reviews. NetHealth has a new offer if you sign up and complete a marketing audit audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you are already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. I will say I am using them and more and more people are calling me because they're finding me online. So believe me, people, this works. And perfect segue into our episode today and all of the episodes this month. So the month of July, we're really focused on the business of physical therapy. So all uh, the episodes this month will be about the business side of physical therapy. And on Tuesday, July 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will have a roundtable discussion with all four of our speakers in the podcast this month. So that's Erica Mello, Josh Funk, Shante Cofield, and Michelle Colley. It is not to be missed. If you are interested in the business of physical therapy, this will be a must watch and listen. And you can sign up at the website at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Just click on the tab that says Roundtable Talks and sign up. Now, today, we have my good friend, Erica Mello. She is a board-certified physiotherapist in private practice right here in New York City. After a decade solving financial problems on Wall Street, Erica took her MBA and her problem-solving skills into the clinic. She specializes in treating patients with unsolved pain, and her mission is to raise awareness of the physical therapy profession to a level like no other. She is the co-host of the podcast, Tough to Treat, a physiotherapist guide to managing those complex patients. She is also a thought leader in the profession and helps her patients as well as her colleagues empower themselves to lead and live with purpose. Erica's book, Why Do I Hurt? Discovering the Surprising Connections that Cause Physical Pain and What to Do About Them, was released in June 2018. She has also been featured in Forbes, BBC, Women's Day, Better Homes and Gardens, Muscle and Fitness, and Health Magazine. And she is also fluent in Spanish and loves traveling. And I'm sure she will get back to that once... uh, it is safe to do so. So in today's episode, we Erica does talk about her previous career as a bond trader on Wall Street, how to foster motivation and commitment in patients, addressing company culture, and we also talk about what it means to be out of network and out of network provider with insurance companies. You'll hear about the biggest lessons Erica has learned in her career, the importance of mentorship, and a lot of valuable advice from her all on today's podcast. So a huge thank you to Erica and thank you to listening. And hopefully this month we will all uh, understand the business of physical therapy a little bit better. Thanks. Hey, Erica, welcome back to the podcast. It is always a pleasure to have you on. So thank you for coming back. 
Thank you, Karen, for asking me. I can't believe it. It's been, I remember our first podcast was probably 10 or 11 years ago. So, yeah, so long ago, like way, way in the beginning of Healthy, Wealthy and Smart, which was like... You were on 72nd Street. I was just so, I remember taking a car, going up in the elevator and sitting there in the office. Oh my God. Yes. It's, it's a pleasure to be back on again. Thank you. <laughs> so long ago. Gosh. Yeah. That was a long time. That was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and now this month we are talking all about the business of physical therapy. So I thought who else to have on, who better to have on than you, who is a successful physical therapy entrepreneur, business owner uh, here in New York City. So before we get into your what your business structure is like and how you run your business, I would love for you to remind the listeners a little bit of your background. So just so people know, Erica had a career before she became a physical therapist. So talk about that and how that career prepared you for your role as an entrepreneur? Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, it's funny, I've gotten much more involved during this time being at home a bit more during COVID with the whole Wall Street and, um, and, and the whole the financial market because I've had more time to look at it. But um, I graduate, I'll just in brief, I have an MBA from Stern School of Business at the NYU um, Stern School. And after graduation, I ended up working for an investment bank, a global investment bank, an international uh, foreign-owned bank, literally starting in, Karen, when I tell you, and I'm dating myself, but I started like just before the market crashed, okay? Like the 87 crash, okay? I was going to say, you have to, you have to be <laughs> more specific. <laughs> There's been a few. So that was, and I started off in research, and, and that was all great, but they, I ended up going on to a trading floor and it's a it's a you know like a huge trading floor with a lot of seats and it's an open open area and mostly selling and trading international bonds futures and options and i i i really i loved it i i loved i really enjoyed working um on wall street and i think that it was a different time back then way different than it is now and you know someone asked me recently why did you leave and i was like i didn't want to retire on a trading floor which was the truth you thank god right <laughs> but i i i often think about why did i like it so much and how can i take that that part of the business into anything else that i do right and i liked it for many reasons and one of it was i was part of a team you know, and I think a team of people, you know, we talk about collaborating in our, in our, in our world. I, I do very well with people, with a team, people who are team players. And I think for me, that's why I think in physical therapy land, I've been, you know, in the profession going on committees, trying to run for different positions because I like being part of that team. It's just, and, and, and we all had a lot in common too, I think as well. So and that's, you know, I got to talk to people on the phone a lot. I was, it was very much, it was back in the old days where we actually had to pick up the phone and call people and not, <laughs> it wasn't all computers. So that's the part I think for me, I enjoyed the most and, and, and also figuring things out and problem solving. And as an entrepreneur, I mean, we have to figure things out all day long, right? I think for me, it's, it was being the team player was definitely the, the main thing, why I miss it. But I also liked the the fast pace and, and 
you know, yes, we're in New York. We all like the fast pace. It's certainly not as fast as it used to be. <laughs> that's for sure. But I enjoyed making those quick decisions and, and, and talking to clients and analyzing with them to solve their problems. So it's similar to physical therapy, right? I mean, we deal, we see patients, we try to, we, we talk to them, we try to figure out, you know, what, what's going on, what's going wrong with them or what their problem is. And, you know, I did recently a, um, a paper uh, for, I'm doing part-time um, some courses and I did something on the therapeutic alliance and the therapeutic alliance, the quality that is the most important uh, the, is really being, being a good listener. And it's like listening to your patients, listening to your clients. So that's how on when I was on wall street, I, 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 I really, this is when we had great expense accounts. <laughs> I traveled, you know, I flew to Mexico City for for lunch one day with for the central bank and came back. I saw so I mean, that's the life I I loved, and I, I to this day I do miss it. I'll be honest, you know. Uh, and I and I was able to fly. I didn't I didn't I only covered a few international clients. It was mostly domestic, but it was establishing those relationships, maintaining those contacts. Um, I know you talk about like the concierge. Um, I read your article actually in, in, in Impact Magazine. It was excellent. And it's about, you know, what, it's that extra service. It's that, it's that developing that relationship. It's going that extra mile. And, you know, I was one of the top sellers on the desk. And when I left people, some of my top clients were like, we liked you or, you know, the, what, if they use the word like, but they were like, you never shoved anything down our throats. I never shoved a deal down their throat. I never shoved a, anything down their throats. It was a collaboration. And I think that's what I've taken a lot from that, you know, in a nutshell, um, that, that whole experience, you know? And as an entrepreneur, where, where does that sort of plug in? Where does that fit? How did that help you grow your practice? Because you have a thriving practice in New York City. It doesn't happen overnight. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. And, and to be honest with you, I think as entrepreneurs, we are lucky in the sense that, you know, since we don't work for somebody, we work for ourselves, right? Um, we have a little bit more leeway to discover things about ourselves and what we want to do to grow the business. Right. Um, and I think that what has from taking from the wall street experience, uh, the ability to, how's the word I want to use? It's, it's almost like being an entrepreneur, you need to be able to know what your strengths are and really work with those strengths. So when I first started out, I knew that my strength was, I did the Strength Finders 2.0. You know, everybody should do that. It's, you know, and I'm like a learner, achiever. You have to be a connector. I swear you have to be a connector, right? You must, right? Um, a learner, achiever, like maximize your input and responsibility for those of you who have done that. So for me, the way I work best is when I play to my strengths. And I learned over the years to delegate out what I don't like to do or what's not in my strength. Like I, it's just, why would you do, you know, we have the ability to do that. So you, playing to your strength is the, one of the first things I, I learned early on because, you know, people say, oh, you can be a generalist physical therapist, you can treat everything, but what makes you different from the person down the street, right? And for me, it's like, and I'm still, I still hone this to this day. This is all a work in progress, but, you know, 
I, it's the problem solving. I love to figure stuff out. That's just basic. I love to figure stuff out. I love to look at a, a trade when I was on Wall Street to figure out how can you make money? <laughs> how can I make you money? Because if you make money, I make money, right? And you know, if you feel better, if I can make the patient feel better, I do make more money because they'll refer their friends and family. So it's very similar mindset. Um, I think that was, I hope that was the answer you, <laughs> you wanted, but it's, for me, it was really honing in on what I did best. And then more recently, Karen, I looked at patients who I really like to treat and what was the common thread, right? And I was like, wow, you know, because they're And diverse. what was it? What was the common thread? Uh, the, honestly, it was being motivated and coming in consistently and being committed to going the full the full round, the full round. Don't come for two visits and don't come back. You want to, you're, you're literally, you are committed to having someone look at your entire body from the brain to the foot and looking at the connections in the body and be willing to commit some time to getting yourself better. That was the commonality. But, and they were athletic. But here I have, I have something uh, to say about that. So was that the common thread they innately had or was that something that you help to foster in them when you first see them, those first one or two visits? Yes. I, I help to foster be, that. that How do you do sure. that? How do you do that? How do you help to foster that? So, so when people, so initially I'll backtrack a second with people like this recently, um, I had someone come in to see, you know, she said, I'm seeing a well-known therapist in New York, blah, 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 et cetera. What makes you different? And I was like, this is what makes me different. And I start off and I say, Everybody says they treat the whole body, you, you, you know, it, it's, it, everybody treats differently. But what I do is I look at the connections in the body, the relationships of the regions of the body to each other. And I don't just treat your symptom. I look at your impairment and I look at the relationship of the head to the hip, the knee to the foot. And I tell them a story. I saw, I have a patient recently. She had a pel it, it issue in her pelvis, a low back pain, and her driver was her foot. And I explain a little bit about wh why I do that. And I do that with patients when they first come in, this is what I say. I say, look, I don't say, look, <laughs> I basically tell them it's, I try, I listen for quite a bit. And then I basically tell them that it's, this is a relationship and we're trying to change your movement patterns. If learning is very important and I need to know how you learn best, practice makes permanent. It does not make perfect. So you need to be able to come in and I'll say this to them. I need you to come in consistently at the beginning, once a week. I generally don't treat twice or three times unless they're like a surgical, um, but I'll treat for the hour and I'll say, you know, minimally once a week for let's say three weeks. And I need to front load the visits because I'm trying to change strategies and trying to change your, change your brain. And I need to do that with a lot of input at the beginning of the treatments of the treatments. And if you want to space those out after I'm fine with that. And if patients can't do that, I basically say, for whatever reason, if it's financial or or um, vacation, I tell them that that's okay, but you won't get the same results. It will take longer. And the people who come in at the beginning who front load them get results quicker. And those are the people, and I looked at that list and that very true, they were coming in consistently and front loaded. But I tell them that, but you know, it's based on the assessment. And if I can give them like I don't want to say a wow, but if I, if they get what I'm trying to say and I can make a change in the first visit, then they are more convinced of coming in more frequently. And I think because 
I do a lot of listening and I ask questions that not many people ask. I mean, we're similar, you and I, but I think that they don't get a lot of that outside of, of medicine, traditional medicine. And I think that when I explain to them, I'm trying to change your movement pattern. I'm trying to change your strategy. You're, I'm trying to work with, you know, I'm trying to change how you move about your nervous system, your neuromuscular recruitment, things like that. And I, I, I work with them. I'll have them move and, and I can see, I can, and I, I take, ever since COVID started, I've been with telehealth, I've been taking more pictures in the office because I can really, I, I mark them up on my Apple preview. And I'm seeing things that I never saw in the clinic before. And then when I show them this, they're like, oh my gosh, wow. And I think their brain starts to change immediately when they, in the first visit. And I think that that's important to get that buy-in at the beginning a little bit to help them come more consistently. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't have buy-in in the beginning, then they're not going to, they're not going to be that patient who you said this common thread is they're motivated and committed. But I think that Yes, if people are coming to, if they're seeking out a physical therapist, they're somewhat motivated, maybe committed, but it's you who's educating them and listening and going that extra mile, making them feel comfortable, making them feel heard. Yeah. And that's why you have motivated and committed patients. Correct. That's so correct. it's a combination right. of the patient and what you do. So don't say, oh, it's just these motivated people that comes to me. <laughs> Good point. If, if only, if only, if only we had that. I know. And it's so funny because the, the, because we spend so much time listening, that is a form of communication. The best therapists are the best communicators. I mean, when I was doing this paper for a therapeutic alliance, you look at, there's a, like different pieces of the puzzle. Listening and communication were like 70% of the outcome. I mean, Maxie Misiak, she's a, a researcher mm -hmm. out of McMaster, right? She says, you know, you walk into um, a treatment room, let's say for somebody who's on, you're, you're the fifth person, you walk in there hypervigilant, you know, distracted, you've exerted a nocebo effect on your patient before you even sat down. And they're not coming back after that, right? So it's so important and to, to know that. And I think that that'll help them make, make changes. You, you, if you go in there, you could be the best therapist ever and, and try to get them to be more motivated and committed. But if you're distracted, eh, that doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, just put yourself in their shoes. That's all you need is, is like just a smidge of empathy, you know, because yeah. we all, you don't have to be like an empath. You just need a smidge. Cause yes. like, we all know what it's like, like when you go to the doctor and, and you're, trying to like spill your guts to them and they're like on their computer uh-huh 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 and you're like well never mind and i don't feel like telling you anything anymore i know i know and you literally if you put a computer between you and your patient you've decreased the outcome by 50 percent wow that is an interesting statistic I, I i found and so now people are looking at me and this is extra work for me and this is something i'm working through but i literally barely write in the first part of the interview. I'm just listening to them and looking them in the eye and I'm like, I'm trying to remember and I have a good memory, but I'll write a few things down, but I'm listening to them and I'm just passive, to be honest. I'll, if, they don't, if I don't get what I want, I will ask other, other questions. Mm -hmm. But I think that, that writing that paper on the Therapeutic Alliance, even as an entrepreneur, because yes, we have the, we have the ability to make, make our own schedule, right? Have the freedom to do that. We have the, we have the freedom to tell people we don't wanna see them. You know, I literally, 
someone said to me recently, I don't know what you think about this, is that you should have an application process to have them become your patient. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm not sure I'm there yet, but that's an interesting concept. You know how business coaches do that a lot. You have to apply mm-hmm. for the program, right? Um, I'm not sure I'm there yet. I can, you know, I can talk to somebody on the phone and get an idea of who, if they're right for me, or if they're not, I'll say maybe there's somebody else, but I don't like formal application process to do that. Right. Like qualifying people. I mean, I guess you can, but I, I mean, I think that you're doing that in that first visit by saying, you know, I, I really want you to be committed to this process. Is that something you think you can do? Yes. Right. Um, how do you learn best? Because I want to make sure that my teaching style matches your learning style, depending on who you are and how you do things. And, you know, what's interesting is, um, you know, there's strength finders, there's all these different things. Um, in the Goldman Sachs class that I'm taking now, oh, yeah. we used uh, one called People's Styles at Work oh. by Bolton, Bolton and Bolton, um, second edition. And it basically, it's 18 questions and it splits you up into four different kind of learning styles or leader, sorry, leadership styles. Mm-hmm. But you can use that even with your clients and with, if you're an entrepreneur, let's say you have multiple people working for you, you can have them take these, uh, take this test or quiz, if you will. And if someone is more analytical, maybe you want them doing this kind of work. If someone is more, there's four different kinds. There's um, analytical, which I think you are, yeah. um, which would be less assertive, but some of these, I, I don't agree with I mean, it's, they're not all perfect, but less yeah. responsive to others, task oriented, precise and attentive to detail prefers to work with procedures and symptoms motivated by the right way, um, to do things. I, and, you know, we sort of fall into things that might be a little analytical, a little expressive, but yeah. there's our analytical, your ex, you could be an expressive and amiable or, um, a driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, it was very interesting, uh, to look at that even from a client standpoint. So yeah. as you're talking, you can kind of guess like what the, what maybe your client is and how you can. So if they're more analytical, maybe you're going to want to hit them with your facts, your figures, your numbers. If they're more expressive, maybe you're going to want to hit them with the things that sort of tug at the heartstrings. If you're more amiable, if you think they're more amiable, then you're going to maybe want to challenge them a little bit. So they're not always just yesing you all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great, um, that's a, that's a great tool. I have to look into that. It's funny because I send out some questionnaires ahead of time as well. I do the CSI questionnaire and the DAS questionnaire Mm -hmm. and I get a good idea of of just what their personalities are by looking at those. And uh, some people, I I see them and I look at them, their questionnaires and they're like completely different people, you know, honestly. Right. But that gives me an idea of just their, just their overall persona. And then I explain to them, you know, I explain how I assess and I just say, and they're like, well, why are you, know, why are your hands in my armpits type thing? And I'll, because I'm well in the thorax, the head, the feet. And I'll say, well, I'm, I explain the rules of the game. I said, I'm just going to explain the rules of the game because we don't know the rules we can't play. And they all laugh and it's fun, you know, because I think it's just a way to make people feel at home. And I think it, it's funny because when I, years ago, and when I was working for other people as like a staff PT, yes, I'm older now. 
But I, I, I feel that as an entrepreneur, you, you can express yourself differently and you have more freedom than if you were to be with, you know, sort of in the confines of a culture, like a corporate culture, like on Wall Street, for me, I wasn't confined in this sense because it was all about getting the deal done, making the money. It's pretty driven by money, right? So there were kind of no limits at that point back then. So you did what you felt, whatever you, whatever you do, you get the deal done. And we didn't really have, it was just, we had limits obviously, but it was very different. We weren't reined in so much, you know, and then mm-hmm. we were able to sort of be ourselves a little bit. Um, and I, I always believe that things happen for a reason. I believe that I was meant to cover central banks. I meant I was meant to cover other banks and other t- different hedge funds because of the analytical style that these p- people have. You know, I think, you know, people say you find patience. I think patients find us, you know, mm-hmm. I really absolutely. Think yeah, absolutely. And that's where you know, your website, your wording, your copy, all of that can reflect that. Um, And you hit on something that I want to touch on quickly too, and that's company culture. So how did you, and you have a partner, Annie Gao, how did you guys um, address your company culture, the culture of your clinic? Were you like, was it purposeful? Did you sort of purposefully like, this is going to be our culture. This is, these are our values and what we want uh, to reflect on our business. And on that note, we're going to take a break here from our sponsor and be right back with Erica's answer. When it comes to boosting your clinic's online visibility, reputation, and increasing referrals, NetHealth's digital marketing solutions has the tools you need to beat the competition. They know you want your clinic to get found, get chosen, and definitely get those five-star reviews on Google. NetHealth has a fun new offer. If you sign up and complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic win, they will buy lunch for your office. If you're already using NetHealth Private Practice EMR, be sure to ask about its new integration. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary marketing audit. Yeah, I mean, we didn't do that formally, um, but we certainly, it, it evolves over time because naturally the types of patients that would, that would come into the office would be those ones who sort of have been elsewhere or have, you know, really want, uh, uh, I don't even want to say hands-on approach anymore, but want more of a, of a, of a, a whole person approach. And that it naturally evolved that way. And that sort of like when we did um, at one point when we were, uh, gosh, I think this was when we first started, we actually had to go up to Columbia University to speak to the student center up there. And, you know, we did a little PowerPoint. And in that PowerPoint, it was, we talked about, you know, why the, you know, the hip is related to the foot. And, and so it evolved over time that, that whole, that whole, culture and 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 we were out of network from the get-go all right because we knew that in order to treat this way and certainly new york rents you know you know they're changed now but back then it, it was you you could not at least in new york state because we're like like the lowest reimbursed state in the country mm-hmm. right i mean you cannot maintain a business in new york city on an network unless you see you know five patients an hour which is unacceptable to me so that is not the way i'm i treat and even you know it's funny when i graduated pt school i called up a lot of places that i was going to interview at and see how many patients they saw an hour and if it was four i didn't go 
for the interview. And I, 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 had, I was lucky. I had a career change. I had some savings, so I, I could be a little bit choosy. But I, I, it's very stressful working in that kind of an environment. Yeah, and, absolutely. Know. So let's talk about the structure of your business. So you said yeah. you've been out of network from the beginning. So what does that mean? Can you explain to the listeners what that means? Yeah, so we don't contract. So basically, we don't contract with an insurance company. So we have, we, we take Medicare. We are what we call par for Medicare. So that's the, that's a contracted New York City rate. And but other than Medicare, we are out of network, which means that if your client has out of network benefits, we can do one of two things. We either bill the insurance company directly, we charge them the coinsurance, and then we get paid. So we get paid. Or the patient pays us directly, and then they submit the claim themselves, or we can submit the claim for them. So the majority of patients now have no out of network benefits. So what we end up doing is just billing the patient directly. Um, and there are some insurances that we don't take at all. And so even out of network. So what we'll do is we'll just, the patient will pay us directly and then they'll submit on their own. We just give them a receipt, but mm -hmm. an out of network. So longtime patients of ours, um, we will bill the insurance company for them and wait for the insurance company to pay them, pay us, excuse me. And Got we'll it. charge them the coinsurance. And that's gotten much less lately because. Yeah. And can you explain what a coinsurance is? Yeah. So there's the copay and the coinsurance. The copay is a fixed amount that's generally used for an in network model. So you have a $60 copay when you see a specialist. So coinsurance is based on a percentage. So, for example, I work for, you know, large company A here in New York, I have Cigna my benefits are 70%, 30%. Cigna will pay 70% of what's reasonable and customary and 30% is the coinsurance. The 30% of the coinsurance the co is based on what you bill out of network. So let's say you bill $400, the coinsurance can be 120 bucks or could be lower. We generally drop it lower, okay? But because we're, we're not contracted with, with any insurance companies. So a lot of people, um, a lot of lately, a lot of insurance companies have been sending patients letters like, just so you know, you're seeing an out of network, I'm using this in air quotes, out of network physical therapist, just so you know, they can balance bill you. So they're doing a lot of these sort of nefarious practices to get the patient saying, well, I don't know if I wanna do an out of network practice. And, and, and they've been doing this for a while now, but and my patients know better, but recently someone brought in um, a piece of paper and it was not was not a bill it was just a statement of fact we've received charges you're out of network just just fyi they may balance bill you which is you know they never did that before yeah and balance billing is they're going to build so i'll use a simple example let's say 300 dollars we charge for example let's say that's the number the patient's covered at 70 percent assuming so let's say that that would be 210 that's usually not what they pay let's say they pay 150 the coinsurance we chart with 50 bucks, that's $200. We can balance bill them to hundred. That's what balance bill means. You balance, you balance bill up to what you've charged. Got it. Got okay. it. Just and, so, and the, yep. Just so yep. people understand what all the, well, cause we're throwing out a lot of terms yes, here. I want to yes. make sure people understand because this is all about the business of physical therapy, right? Yes. This whole month. So this is, this is literally the business, right? right? And I will, and, and I will, yes. And I will tell you, 
lately, a lot of plans, just for anybody who wants to do in out of network and bill and accept what they pay, a lot of plans are being, being reimbursed as a percentage of Medicare, which as we know is not great. So the, more often than not, you do not know that upfront. Sometimes they'll tell you, we do mostly electronic right now and they won't, if there's nothing on the site that says patient is reimbursed at a certain rate. So you'll get paid and then you realize, oh no, this is not enough. And so, you know, and that happens a lot of times after the fact. And so we have to, we have to, um, you know, make the different part of the difference up in the co-insurance. So it has to, it's just, we have to, because the, you, you, we need, we deserve, Karen, we deserve to get paid. This is what I say every night or every morning I write in my journal. My work is of high value and worthy of massive compensation. Cause it is, yeah. it is, we yeah. deserve to get paid. And, um, and patients accept that now a lot more than they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of patients now do not have out of network benefits uh, at all. So they just pay and that's that. And, and that also comes down to your ideal client, right? You, who, who, you, know, you want, you, do you want somebody who's just going to like, you know, ask you to drop your rate or, cause they, they will do that. They will ask you to drop your rate. Um, and I generally don't do that anymore. Um, you know, it's, it's a special situation of course, but because th- those people are not sort of gonna stick around, right? Mm-hmm. You want a lot of people who have no problem paying and depending on what your rates are, they will stick around and they will have no questions asked. And you know, as, as an entrepreneur, you will hone that ideal customer avatar over time. But speaking from experience, it is very frustrating when you, you, know, you treat an hour, an hour and 15 minutes sometimes with people and then the insurance company out of network reimburses you at a, a percentage of Medicare. That's a joke. So I, you, and I got, would get angry over it. And so yeah. was, at a certain point, you know, I, you know, a lot of, I'm happy that we don't have out of network benefits a, a lot of the times because it will save me that frustration and anger and uh, the patient can just get reimbursed themselves, you know, pay me mm-hmm. directly. But mm-hmm. once again, as a new, pra- if, if we have people who are just starting out or they're five years in the business and they want to start their practice, they may have to do that. And you're going to learn over time that the reimbursement changes from between insurance companies and between dates of service. I mean, there are insurance companies who we bill out of network who pay different rates for the same codes. It's just ridiculous. It's ridiculousness. And you know, we have a small practice. Someone who has a large practice like that, who's getting hurt like that, you need to almost hire us, hire like an advocate or, or somebody who can negotiate for you, you know, because that, that's, that's a full-time job. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that was really important to go through all of that because that can be really confusing, especially for uh, new physical therapy entrepreneurs who want to start their own practice, who are on the fence, should I take insurance? Should I not take insurance? I always tell people, call insurance companies and find out what they reimburse in your area. Yeah. Because yes. it may be worth it to take an insurance, take one insurance and not take the others. Because yep. there there are insurance companies that may reimburse 120, 150 a visit. Hey, that's not bad. Right. I will tell you there's a couple of patients and it, it's plan dependent because there's far and few between, like I can count on one hand, the amount of patients I have who have like the platinum insurance plan, right? And you will get paid more than your direct rate, which but th- that number is dwindling. I've had people, therapists ask me recently, should I, because of COVID and because of the financial stresses people are under, should they start billing out of network for their patients? And I basically tell them what I just told you. It's, it's, it's a great service you can offer 
but if you don't have an assistant, you will be on the phone way too much than you want to be on the phone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it just, it's about your priorities. Yeah. Yeah. And actually my next, that was going to be my next question for you is if let's say a uh, budding physical therapy entrepreneur comes to you and says, gosh, what, what was one of the biggest lessons you learned when in the course of either starting or now continuing to run your business? What would that be? Mm, I think with regards to, I would say being willing, being open and being open to collaboration, being open to like expecting the patient to do the right thing. Because a lot of times we can say, oh, their patient's never got going to pay. They're not going to do this. They're not going to do that. And I think that a lot of about being an entrepreneur, and this is one of the biggest lessons, is, is your mindset. It's the vibration that you have. And it may sound woo-woo, but trust me, it works. You know, 80% of this is mindset. 20% is execution. You know, you can sign up with an insurance company. You can do the billing. You can put the codes in. You can do the eval, right? It's about mindset. If you expect people not to pay you or if you expect people to, you know, be, be, be difficult with, with regards to, or if you expect um, with insurance or you expect to have a difficult time, you will have a difficult time. And a lot of it is mindset. Um, that's the biggest lesson, I think, because the technical stuff can be, can be taught. You know, and, and, and when I first started out um, opening the practice, I was looking for a mentor in our profession. And, you know, Karen, I, st- I couldn't find one. And it was very frustrating because I was, a, I was you know, I did have an MBA, but the School of Entrepreneurship didn't, was not open at Stern when I was there, right? So I was coming from a corporate culture, transitioning to an entrepreneur. An easy transition in terms of mindset, but not an easy one in terms of of logistics of, you know, what does it take to be an entrepreneur versus working for a corporation or corporate? It's very different. You have to really advocate for yourself. You have to know who you have to know who you are treating. Your marketing is huge. You have to really learn a lot about that even before way before you even I mean, I would I don't say learn that before you start your business, because most people if we did that, we would still not have a business, you know, I would just start and go and you'll learn, you know, but, but the mentorship is huge, I think, because why reinvent the wheel when someone else has done that? So talking about the 80% strategy, why, why reinvent the wheel? Find somebody in our profession who can mentor you, right? That can help you do that. Um, And the 20, the mindset is stuff is, is, is you, you can learn with mentors or finding somebody outside of our field to help you with that. But that's, that is important. And I believe that the, the, I know we've got a lot of business groups out in our field right now who, you know, charge very large sums of money to, to, you know, to, to, uh, to you know, and they're great programs, but I will throw out an option. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of great physical therapists out here, you know, who have business backgrounds, who are entrepreneurs, who have successful businesses like you and me, we, we could all easily help out people you know, um, from a mentor program. And, you know, we need to grow the profession. We need to grow our physical therapists. And I think it's important that we give back and, and being, and, and learning. One of the main things I've learned besides the mindset is learning 
to be a mentor and learning the importance of mentorship because I didn't have one when I first came on. And I still don't have one, Karen. I'm still looking, but you know, it's, that's why I have a team and collaborate with people like yourself, you know, because we learn. But I do think that uh, people should, they're, like you and I are like on the front lines, so to speak, right? We're, 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 we're seeing patients, we're, we're actually doing it, we're running a business. And I do think that is important when people look for programs out there because I think it's, it's you know, we've done all the hard work, right? Why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I yeah. couldn't agree more. And I think that's great advice for any upcoming entrepreneur in the physical therapy space. And before we jump off, mm. where can people find you if they want to ask you questions, if they want to know how you do things, where's the best places for people to reach you? Um, a couple of things. We have a podcast with the wonderful Susan Clinton and myself. It's called Tough to Treat. It's awesome. Um, yes. Um, we've got our hundred, our hundredth episode was last week. Crazy, right? I'm so proud. My God. Um, so there's our website, toughtotreat.com. And I've got a bunch of uh, website, our business web, web, website, but I'll give you like the way to reach me is all my handles on social media are at Erica Mello. And my um, email is Erica at Erica Um Perfect. And your website, ericamello.com. Yes. 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 And we're we'll doing have... our, yeah, no, I'm saying our velocity physio one is, is re being redone right now. So the ericamello.com is a, is a good one as well. Perfect. And we'll have the links to all of that at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com in the notes for this, sec uh, for this podcast. And I know that you've answered this question before, but I'll ask it again because, you know, more advice from you is not a bad thing. And that's what advice would you give to your younger self? Maybe like oh. fresh, forget, forget you, your first job out on Wall Street, or even your MBA. How about like fresh out of undergrad? Um, good question. You ask this of everybody, right? I know, mm -hmm. I know this. I know you do. Um, I think that, and, I've learned, and I'm saying this now because I've experienced so much throughout the life. You know, I've you know, lost loved ones and things like that, but be unapologetically yourself, you know? I know. Don't we waste too much time being somebody else? Yep. Yep. It's, uh, it is, yes, we have, we do. And I think that if we are, Susan always calls me my podcast co is a confronter. I'm like, I'm not really a confronter, but I do, you know, have opinions. And I think that um, we, that's the advice. Just, you know, open your mouth basically and be, be yourself. Excellent advice. Because like, like you said, we waste so much time trying to be somebody else and trying to conform to what people think we should be instead of just being who we are. Yes. And I, and I think that if I were to give an, like an other advice, because there's yeah. so much burnout in our profession now yes. is that, you know, we need to find joy in our life and whatever that is, um, it varies for everybody. We need to do more of that. And this is a practice that I've done so I recently went to a polo match yesterday. And so I have a, every year I have a thing called magical moments. And if I have a magical moment like that, I write it down. So it, it can be like, you know, spinning at SoulCycle in Hudson Yards during a pandemic, you know, or, or, you know, going to the Met with my niece or going to a polo match or at Disney. When I, and I, so at the end of each year, 
or New Year's Eve, I'll look at that. And I'm like, oh, I actually did have a nice year. Because I think Aww. we don't write those things down, you know, and I and I think that's good for, for, for us to do. Like I the love that. Moments. Yeah, I love it. Yet another great piece of advice. Oh. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. And we will see you again at the end of the month on yes. Tuesday, the 27th of July for our Business of Physical Therapy roundtable talk. So I'm really excited. Um, and for all the people listening, you can uh, find that out in the show notes as well, how to get more information on that roundtable. So I'm looking forward to that. So thank you yes. so much, Erica, for coming on again. Uh, you're welcome, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> and, el- and to all of you guys listening, thanks so much. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. A big thank you to Erica for coming on the podcast again. And of course, thank you to NetHealth. So again, if you want your clinic to have an increased online visibility, reputation, referrals, and you want to get found, chosen, and get those five-star reviews on Google, NetHealth has a fun new offer. Sign up, complete a marketing audit to learn how digital marketing solutions can help your clinic, and they'll buy lunch for your office. Head over to nethealth.com forward slash L-I-T-Z-Y to sign up for your complimentary audit. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.